Welcome, everybody. This is the uh, DMN Podcast One-on-One. I'm Chris Wood, Associate Editor for DMN, here with Zach Dugau, founder and CEO of Instacator here in New York. We have uh, a couple interesting topics that we'd like to hit today. And just to start off, there's a, there's a new kind of system that's rolling out maybe over the last year uh, in the publishing space. You work a lot with publishers, and it's the ads.txt. And it's kind of, uh, as, as I gather, about really transparency in the programmatic space. Yep. So wondering if you could uh, kind of set the stage for what, how this kind of came about. Great. Well, first, thanks so much um, for having me on, Chris. I really appreciate you taking the time, and I enjoy listening myself. Um, so Ads.txt, I think, came about as a way that the industry was being becoming imbalanced. If we take a step back, it was becoming imbalanced because you had a lot of publishers and advertisers that were kind of gaming the system in a way and not kind of achieving what they were meant to achieve with their specific objectives. So there were certain publishers that were taking advantage of a lot of arbitrage opportunities. So in digital advertising as a whole, advertisers and brands are trying to get exposure where people see the ad units, they engage with the ad units, and they ultimately buy something or they have some brand awareness or some impact on that level. What some publishers found that they could do was that by buying traffic through the likes of like a Taboola or an Outbrain, they could pay and run kind of a math algorithm to see, okay, great, if I pay, 10 cents for a click, and I can bring X number of people to my site, and I could have five or six ad units on the page, I should be able to pay 10 cents for a click, and I could make 12 cents on that click. And likewise, certain advertisers were looking at things and looking at, okay, great, so if I'm able to buy through this DSP, and I'm able to go, okay, great, I'm going to spend... Um, 50 cents for each ad unit and I can just buy where somebody else has, there's a gap in the price between what I'm paying and somebody else is willing to pay. So an advertiser who's really supposed to be buying that impression of themselves is then saying, you know what, I found this great opportunity. I've got Colgate willing to pay me a dollar and I can buy that on abc.com for 50 cents and then I make 50 cents. But what happened was, is it created this massive imbalance because you had all these kind of arbitrage stakeholders who were making a lot of money and not adding any value to the ecosystem. And as a result, advertisers were paying too much because they were paying for impressions that, and people that really had no intent on buying something because they were clicking on some clickbait and not really driving value in the ecosystem. And you had publishers who were taking advantage of not really driving readers to the experience. They were more just trying to like run a math algorithm to try to have somebody click. And whatever they were paying to drive that click, they were making more on, from the ads on the page. And that's not really the purpose of, of publishing. Publishing, people are supposed to be writing great articles that people are reading. And then an advertiser is supposed to have great experience from kind of paying for that advertising on the space. And so what ads at TXT, which has for the by and large been great, is it's really gotten rid of a lot of the bad actors. And what it's done is, is that essentially a publisher is saying, these are the advertisers who actually have the rights to be in my inventory. And it's given advertisers then a lot more peace of mind knowing, okay, great, my ads are actually gonna show on sites that are approved, they're qualified, we've agreed, and it's creating a more transparent marketplace which is by and large great, because there's still even more room for growth. 
because right now you've got so many different stakeholders in the programmatic chain and there's a lot of confusion there. You might have a brand who's paying a media agency, who's then buying through an agency trading desk, who's then connected into a specific publisher network, who's then connected into some specific SSPs. And if somebody's spending $5 here, it comes up being a dollar over here because there's so many different kind of middlemen getting a cut and people don't really have transparency there. I think that's like a, some of what people have attempted or talked about with blockchain, but ads.txt is helping kind of combat a lot of this and that's adding value, I think. It's kind of interesting that the notion of a registry kind of is in that ads.txt uh, framework in a way um, yeah. uh, because it's through the supply chain that you can see that, okay, this is a verified piece of inventory. Um, yeah. And uh, advertisers know that they're getting a bang for the buck. Um, and so then the publishers can worry about creating that content with their partners yeah. in a sense. Um, you know, And then maybe consumers, the audience is more engaged. Yeah. I'm just wondering, thinking about... Uh, the ongoing um, relationship of an audience with like online content and uh, through some of the quizzes and polls and that sort of thing that come up in an instigator widget has has the audience attitude changed at all in terms of their privacy and sharing data or have they really bought in that they get an experience and it's it's a transparent exchange yeah so for what we focus on at Instigator is providing value to the marketplace by providing an engaging content experience for the reader that also benefits the publisher in terms of the money they generate. Um, it's not obtrusive to the reader, and it benefits the brand by providing like a viewable, engaging brand experience. Um, in terms of data collected, I think that what people appreciate about what we do at Instigator is they're actually engaging. And so they understand that when they're answering questions about themselves or a piece of content, that they're providing that information. I think where privacy, and rightfully so, is concerned a lot of people, and we've seen that with GDPR in Europe and otherwise, is around, I have no idea what data somebody's collected on me. So like, for example, most people don't realize that, oh man, I give access to an application like Google Maps, okay? But even when I'm not using Google Maps, what they don't realize is, is that Google Maps is tracking everywhere that they go, and then it's profiling them and targeting them. So somebody thinks, oh, okay, great, I use Google Maps to get from 35th Street all the way downtown. But actually, Google Maps still kept track of me when I flew to California, because I've left it on. When I flew to California, when I went to a theme park, when I went to a bank. And then it's sending through that data and going, I've got somebody who visits a bank two times a month, I've got somebody who likes to go to theme parks. And it's that level that I think is what's really concerned people. More specifically also the baby boomer generation. I think the millennials and Gen Xers are more familiar with like, okay, I get it. This is a free service. And the way that they kind of monetize is through advertising and data. So I'm kind of okay with giving that up. But even still, it's the, the marketplace is more concerned about, and rightfully so, the I haven't chosen to engage. I don't even know they're collecting this data. Yeah, sure, it's in some privacy policy in really small print on the 135th page, but I didn't even give them permission. Like, I didn't even realize they were tracking all these behaviors. And I think that it's less so, like, what we like to take pride in is that we collect data on when people are engaging and they know they're doing that versus just, like, I visited some website about zoo animals and now I'm getting profiled as somebody who likes to visit zoos. 
that sure. type of behavior. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you mentioned like a generational thing. Um, so then, how uh, how better can um, the an older generation be um, educated, or or even for the younger people? You know, um, they may not know which exact check marks were taken off, you know, um, but at least they should know from a brand, hey, this is why they're contacting me, because... Yeah. Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's interesting. There's some really good, valuable things that come from data. So most people don't, I think, think about it in this way, but if you realize you're being marketed to... Wouldn't it be nicer to be marketed to things that might be valuable? So I don't wear glasses. But so if um, a lot of different glasses companies and if Warby Parker is targeting me all over the place, that may be a little frustrating, right? But I do really love Nike sneakers. I find them really comfortable. So if data can know that and then target me as a result of that, then actually when I see those things, it may not bother me so much. Maybe I'm not in the market at that moment, but maybe it actually does trigger something of value for me. So there is a plus side to the data experience. But to your question on being much more informed and taking information, I think step one is we carry our mobile devices everywhere. Go into your iPhone or your Android device. Go in under settings, under data and privacy. And if you're concerned about it, turn those things off. Like take the time to like turn those things off. If you, you can easily, when you're on a browser, if you don't want to be tracked, you can do like command shift and open up an incognito browser, which isn't perfect in terms of no tracking, but if it concerns you, there are steps you can take to make sure that you are not being tracked and still have a pretty good experience. So to use that Google Maps example, if I'm not using Google Maps, I can go in after I've used it and I can make sure that I've turned off those preferences or you can make sure that, oh, it doesn't track me while I'm not using it, that type of thing. Now, you had mentioned GDPR, and yeah. um, it, it, it is more of a wild west here in the U.S., so it seems like there's far to go, um, just in terms of uh, it, even the conversation around that it, in the MarTech community um, is kind of gaining more awareness about the issues that people have and, and the trust on both sides. So then I'm wondering how it's going to roll out, if it's going to be state by state. It seems like California is kind of taking the lead there. Yep. I think there's we're going to see more of that in the U.S. So the California law takes place in January of 2020. Um, different than GDPR in that it's opt-out versus opt-in. So Good it's point. less onerous for businesses because somebody can just choose to say, hey, I, I don't want to be a part of this versus everybody having to opt-in. I think you will see similar states kind of follow suit, not so different than you have for like other more like modern changes in the legal system where you see kind of like some initial states change their legalization of marijuana and now you've seen another four or five and then you have another seven or eight and i think this will be very similar over the next 10 years i think california will set a tone on this but i don't think it'll be it's not it's certainly not going to be as onerous as europe and it's ultimately going to be i think a positive thing for the consumer and it's not going to be that negatively impactful for businesses. Um, so people who really don't want to be tracked can do that. But um, for most people that want to use the service, get value from a service, they'll be able to have that and have an uninterrupted experience. It seems like the cost that's being borne is through the agencies and vendors, perhaps, in catching up with regulations and that sort of thing. It seems like if you bear that burden, then the consumer pays off and the advertiser. Yeah, and it's interesting that you say that. 
there's a whole industry that has popped up for just specifically GDPR compliance. Like, just like you have so many security vendors, there'll be even more of that industry, I think, for the United States for, like, content management platforms and content management strings, things that make it easy for businesses to be whatever the legal term is for each state, different from just the California law on a state-by-state basis, to be compliant. And so it's funny because on one side, it'll, you know, hinder some elements of some business. On the other, it's going to create a whole another industry around compliance, right? And you have already, that's already a huge business, but it'll be even more so specifically around data and privacy and security. And a lot of businesses are who are in that space are excited about it, for lack of better words, because like, oh man, I've got now a whole lot of people that I can say, you better get ready for this new law and you got to pay for our platform and it's only $50,000 a month. <laughs> and it may be a 10-year rollout and then forward on from there um so uh it's very interesting um things to look forward to and to uh check back in on um thank you so much for your time zach it was great uh speaking with you and uh and again this is the dmn one-on-one podcast thank you all, all for listening well thank you so much it was great to be with you and hopefully get to do it again sometime sounds good